This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. ER Ben on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm an emergency critical care veterinary specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I'm so excited because we're going to be speaking with author and dog lover, Pilly Bianchi, and she's going to be talking about a book that she authored called For the Love of Dog, the ultimate relationship guide, observations, lessons, and wisdom to better understand our canine companions. We'll be right back after these messages. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Super excited to talk to dog lover. I mean, who doesn't love dogs or cats and listen to the show? But just wanted to say a huge thank you and a huge welcome to Pilly Bianchi. Thank you so much for joining us today. And just so our audience knows who you are, do you mind giving us a little bit of background about who you are, who your pets are, and how you first fell in love with pets? Oh, gosh, that's that's a great introductory question. I appreciate it. My father was uh, John Pilly, who is the owner and trainer of Chaser, the Border Collie. So she had the largest language learning of any animal in the world. And so he was a researcher and had the goal of teaching her human language, which he did in his 70s and 80s. And I am an expert on Chaser. I was her producer and behind the scenes writer, and water girl chaser and i shared a bedroom i she was my little sister so to speak so um i was a ghost writer on my father's first book which was a new york times bestseller and um i have a new book out now that i had been writing with my father before he passed away in 2018. it was it's a more prescriptive book on how he taught chaser human language and why you should do the same and the exact methods he used with Chaser and the philosophies that he used that were so critical in teaching Chaser. They were the one and the same uh, methods that he used with me, my sister, all of our family animals. Growing up with a psychologist, a, a behavioral psychologist, as a dad was truly magical. So no family pet was off limits as a science fair project. And I'm here to give readers behind the scenes on Chaser stories 
about our other family pets and how you can deepen your relationship with your dog. So this was the book dad and I have been collaborating on after he passed. I discovered I really needed to find a way to put this book in my voice. And it was had to be more playful in my mind. So that's what The For Lo the Love of Dog is. I did it with a brilliant illustrator from the UK, Callum Heath, so that we're giving readers digestible information that is very valuable. Well, first of all, I'm sorry for the loss of your dad. You know, when he wrote that book, Chase, I think anyone who's ever worked with Border Collies knows, of course, Border Collies are the smartest dogs out there. And, you know, knowing how we can communicate with them and how um, it just strengthens the human-animal bond, um, knowing that they're our best friend. Um, I think a lot of people, especially non-dog people, they don't understand the intelligence of dogs. It's dog owners who understand that. But I loved how uh, your dad explored the boundaries of language uh, between dogs and humans and how that's been so key in our relationship with them. So first of all, what made you decide to write the book? We had been compiling all of this information for his second book. His publisher wanted a second book and I had all this richness of tutorials as well as stories that my dad hadn't told. They were my experiences with my father because what a lot of people don't realize is that Chaser was not the anomaly. The anomaly was my father. He was the brilliant mind behind the dog. And it was because of his experience with dogs in the classroom. He was using dogs in the classroom in the late 70s, 80s, and 90s. He determined that it would be way more fun to use dogs in the classroom than rats and pigeons. And so he was way ahead of the curve in understanding that dogs truly are a unique species. And the bond that we share with them is not only emotional, but it's grounded in science, particularly through the evolutionary path that we've shared for 40,000 years. So this was the kind of information that we did not get to deliver and chase her. And so that's why I wrote For the Love of Dog. Now, I did want to ask, how did you come up with the title? Obviously, all dog owners love their dog, but what made you think of the title? Well, in writing the book, I was finding so many similarities. There's always the playoff of dog and God. And what I discovered, this was a really strange thing, was discovering that learning the history of dogs, dogs are referenced in the Bible as uh, insults hurled at humans. And so they are represented very negatively. And so I started researching, well, what what is it about dogs that are godlike and how can we play off on that? And what I discovered was that dogs had an elevated, an elevated seat at the table in ancient cultures. They were revered by the gods. And so I knew that there was the playoff of dogs and gods, which was significant as far as our evolutionary path together. So my publisher really loved that idea and praise be to dog, those sort of things that we, we feel every day as dog lovers. And so we were hoping it would be catchy enough for everybody to want to pick up the book. Well, as we all know, when you spell dog backward, it is God, right? So yes. we do all them up to a, a God-like uh, status because they are amazing companions. And I did want to touch on, you brought up a great point about the illustrations in your book. I love the illustrations in your book. Right now, everyone's so visual, especially with technology and just seeing like the evolution, how you 
I described the evolution to uh, things like comparisons and appearances and different breed uh, standards. Great, great illustrations. Absolutely love that. Thank you. Yes. If it's going to be the other key element in my father's work with Chaser is that everything was done through play. And when learning is fun, it happens rapidly. And so that's is also an ode to my father. You know, he was a true believer in play and dogs into their old age love to play. This is an innate instinct. So we wanted to make the book playful. Now, I love that. Now, you brought something up before in the very beginning of your introduction about dogs and training and kids and training. And I will say it wasn't until I had a two-legged human. Um, and previous to the two-legged human, I had had four-legged <laughs> human for decades when I realized so much about kid training, like human kid training is so similar to dog training. But that's a whole nother podcast. We can talk about that. Now, give me uh, the just breakdown of how you wrote the book, how you outlined it, and what our readers need to know about it. Well, first of all, we start a little with the who dad and chaser were and why their research was so important. And Chaser has been described as the most important dog in over a century by Dr. Brian Hare at, at Duke University. And why is that? What was key about my father's work with Chaser is that he had been modeling his methods after the great animal researchers that came before him with Sue Savage-Rombal and Lewis Herman with the dolphins, so that we'd been working with species like primates, dolphins, and Alex the parrot, but nobody had been checking out dogs. And here they are sitting and waited our feet. So my father understood that dogs were truly underestimated as far as their cognitive skills were involved. So the book in the beginning is talks about that. Why was Chaser important? And um, the science behind Chaser was so overwhelmingly indisputable. She had a 95% success rate over testing for three years. That's kind of a standard that no one in science has ever held their feet are held to the fire that, that strongly. So, but what my father's discoveries were so significant, it took him three years just to get the information published. So the book is introducing you to dad and chaser and what was unique about them and that chaser is not different from other dogs. She is a gateway to understanding all dogs. And by also dipping our toe into the history of dogs and why it's so significant, we are the only two species on the planet out of millions of species that have shared an evolutionary process together. So that's really remarkable. And I wanted to demonstrate why it's, not the survival of the fittest, it really is the survival of the friendliest and how our two species had a symbiotic relationship as far as hunting, herding, and protection. So this is pretty crazy and remarkable. Then when we go from there, we talk about the philosophy of dogs and why dogs and why you should want to kind of get to know your dog more, the dog sitting at your feet. We're giving you the tools to understand that all dogs are individuals. One size does not fit all. Breeds give us information as far as like whether your dog's a slowpoke or a powerhouse, but it doesn't tell us about them emotionally and how they're going to react in certain situations. 
So we also want to give readers the tools to tell the difference between anxious and happy and um, how you can discover your dog's happy place and a lot of ways it'll help you discover your own happy place. So we also get into the how to teach your dog language, why teach your dog language. Communication is valuable on many levels in many different forms. So we're giving you, we're cracking the code and letting you learn how to teach your dog language and channel that for even further learning. Those are the kind of things that are in the book. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up. That was actually the next thing I was going to bring up was the symbiotic relationship, those exact words of dogs, humans, that companionship. And I'm sure it was, you know, it's evolved from, you know, getting free food as a food source to companionship and just seeing it develop over time has been amazing. You know, it's interesting because my advice as a veterinarian, whenever I talk to people who say, oh, I'm thinking about getting a dog, what kind of dog should I get? I always say, well, here are my two general rules before you even think about getting a dog. And one of them is exercise for ideally 30 minutes a day in two 15-minute increments, and then making sure they do one to two levels of puppy obedience, regardless of their age, because that training is so important to foster that relationship. And so I love how you brought up the importance of training. And if I could just say one thing, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. The number one mistake I often see dog owners making when they're trying to train their dog is using too many words. We probably have seen that Gary Larson cartoon where it's like, blah, 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 cookie, <laughs> you know, and using short commands when it comes to dog training. So sit, stay, heal, you know, commands like that. So oftentimes I hear people over talking to their dog, especially in the beginning training period. Unfortunately, I probably made this mistake with my child, my two-legged child, <laughs> where I would like use short commands. And uh, unfortunately now, sometimes they'll just be like, sit. <laughs> so that's, that's yes. the negative side of things. Well, that's, it's interesting because yes, we humans are, are really the problem child in our relationship. You know, dogs want to learn, they want to communicate, but, and they're always listening. So your dog inherently learns words like bath, vet, out, go, want to go out. They learn certain things like want to go out. That's just the whole phrase of going outside, right? They don't really know that want to go out those words have independent meaning. And that is what my father was sit setting out to discover with Chaser, how he could teach her that, so that words independently had value. And he did it very, very simply. And we should be mindful as humans what we are saying to our dogs because they're primed and pumped and ready to learn. And I even have a story in the book that talks about how when Chaser understood that words had meaning, she could pair the name of an action with the name or the name of an object on one trial alone. And so one time my father was trying to help chase her into the car and he accidentally, as he was helping her, he said, do you want me to help you? And as he helped her, he twisted her legs. So once she learned, you want me to help you, she began to think that every time he did that, now this is gonna hurt. So she would frog hop so fast. So what he thought he was saying to her was not what she heard. She heard, this is going to hurt now. And when he went to lift her up. So people make these kind of JV errors all the time. And if we can modify our behavior, 
our language, we're going to be setting our dogs up to succeed. You know, you bring up such a great point because oftentimes if I was going to say a second mistake is inappropriate negative and positive feedback with dog training. And you just gave a great example. Another example I see is when someone is, you know, they have their dog outside in the backyard and often dog owners will think, oh, my dog's getting a ton of exercise in the backyard when actually they're not right. They still need that playtime. They still need that dog walk, but we'll talk about that after, after a break. One thing that I often see is they'll put the dog outside. The dog is barking. The owner wants to, quote unquote, bluntly shut them up. And so they give them a rawhide or dog bone while their dog is barking outside uh, to keep them quiet. When in actuality, you just rewarded your dog for barking, right? Your dog's like, I'm going to bark. You just reinforce that behavior. Exactly. And so same exact thing with kids, right? Like, if you reward them while they're having a temper tantrum, they're like, oh, when I have a temper tantrum, I get a reward. This so works. Making, yeah, exactly. So making sure we have that appropriate positive and negative feedback. Any other tips that you have when it comes to training? When you're working with your dog, you want to try to avoid the word no as much as possible. No is not a word that makes any of us happy. And it's most people in working with their dog overuse it. And the dogs kind of become anesthetized to it. And what my father did with Chaser in teaching her, he used errorless learning, was set, hosting a situation where she could not make a mistake, which was like when she's, he's teaching her the name of a new toy, he would only have one toy on the floor. And if he saw that she was about to go to the wrong toy or to another object, he would call her back so he didn't have to say no. No should simply be a cue for your dog to stop what they're doing. It should not be aversive. And it should be used in a quiet voice. If you speak softly, your dog is going to try harder to listen. So as pet owners, we want to be very aware that we overuse the word no too many times. And what you have to do is you just have to back up and again, reshape your behavior. We forget that dogs are a product of human behavior. If you've got an anxious dog, if you've got an aggressive dog, this is because they have a previous experience and that they have had with another human being. So we have to reshape our own behavior to have a positive relationship with our dog. And remember, learning takes time. It takes repetition. And nobody, to be a doctor, you have to repeat things over and over as a musician We have to practice over and over again to become accomplished at something. Know this is true with your dog. You know, it takes time. Agreed. Great information. I also agree with uh, saying no too much. Same thing for kids. So it is really interesting. So love the information. We'll be right back with this fantastic information from Hilly, author of For the Love of Dog, right after these messages. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. 
Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. to ER Vet on Cat Life Radio. Super excited. We're speaking with Pilly, the author of For the Love of Dog. And we've been talking about training. We've been talking about her ultimate relationship guide for our canine companions. And if you know someone who's getting a dog in 2024, this is a great book to be able to get. Remember, side note, soapbox, you should never get a dog for someone. If you want to, you should give them a coupon, you know, cartoon drawing or a crayon drawing of a, a certificate for dog, but I'm never a huge advocate of getting uh, pets as gifts. All right. Now, Pilly, I wanted to ask you, you talked about the importance of play in, in your book, and I love how your book is full of illustrations. It's like 50% illustration. So I love it. It's so tangible and readable, super easy to read right away. You talk about the importance of play. And I know I've been making all these analogies to two-legged people, a two-legged kids, I just feel like society doesn't play enough now. And, you know, I have recently adopted a French bulldog puppy who ended up having parvovirus. So I rescued him. And you forget when you have an older dog, how much they play. That leaf that just happens to be blowing in the wind, they're like prancing after it. You know, when they see a grasshopper or a moth jumping up in the grass, they they want to play with it. And we really forget about that. Tell me why play is so important and ways we can play with our dog more. Oh, that's such a great question. I, well, I'll tell a little story. I had a friend come over with his uh, five-month-old. She was a, a pit kind of mix, and he was concerned because she didn't like to play. And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, I bought her all these toys, and she doesn't play with them. And the catch is, is that a lot of dogs don't play independently. Sometimes they do, but they love the engagement between human and between us and them. And Chaser was a real player, but only if she had a playmate. So what I discovered when I was working with Ruthie, my friend's dog, I thought it was so sad that she didn't like to play. And I asked, how do you play with her? She goes, well, we don't play with her. So I got a pine cone and I started picking up and tossing it in the air. And I would run after, I would drop it, I'd run after it. And sure enough, after a couple of throwing the pine cone up in the air, Ruthie was watching. And when I dropped it for the third time, she went running for it. So we start started the cat and mouse game. We started chasing. I was naming the object pine cone as I was playing with it. And I would hide it in plain sight and she would lunge for it. I would throw it to her and say, catch pine cone, find pine cone. And this was not only had released her joy of play. It showed my friend how to play with his dog. And she also learned the name of an object, as well as a couple of cues like find and catch. So this kind of engagement with your dog is not only fun for them, but it's fun for you. I have I had so much fun running after Chaser and playing hide and seek and tossing things back and forth. It's just an innate instinct in dogs and in most most animals, even in the wild, 
uh, large cats will play. And why do they play? Because this could be expending energy that they could really need in the wild. But the simple reason they play is because it feels good. And play enables us to be in the moment of joy. So that's what's so key about play. And it builds your bond with your dog. It builds confidence too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's when I said that I feel like people under exercise their dog, whether or not it's exercising with them for 30 minutes, it could just be playtime, right? Interacting with them, throwing them a frisbee, throwing them a tennis ball, right? You know, goofing off with them, uh, making sure they're in a safe environment, obviously, when you do right. that. Uh, but so, so important. Well, I just want to tell you, I love this book. I think it's an amazing, fast resource, especially with all the amazing illustrations. Your illustrator is really good. And Thank uh, you. really just love seeing the story of Chaser um, and the impact on your life. And again, we often don't think about how smart our dogs are. I think most dog owners and cat owners think their their pets are really smart, but we often underestimate uh, the language that they understand. And I love that uh, both you and your father were able to reiterate that. Don't forget to check it out for all you awesome dog lovers out there. Again, it's called For the Love of Dog, The Ultimate Relationship Guide observations, lessons, and wisdom to better understand our canine companions. Pilly, where can people find your book? Oh, that's a great question. It, it Most major booksellers and on Amazon is a perfect place to pick one up. But yeah, wherever books are sold, you can also order it. It's in Barnes & Noble. You can find it at my publisher's Princeton Architectural Press's website, PA Press. Dot com, but on Amazon. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Absolutely love it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Thanks so much for joining and find me at drjustinelee.com on Facebook or Instagram at drjustinelee or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time and we want to thank our guest, Tilly and Mark Winter, our producer, for making the show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.